It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. And welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Ottawa and Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto. And of course, you could also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app if you downloaded that and type in elmntfm.ca and you can listen anywhere across the country. And I'd like to welcome my first guest to the show. Well, no, let me let me let me rephrase that. Uh, I, I'd like to welcome the first person to the show today. He's both my guest, but he's also a fellow worker here at Element FM. This is true. Luca Capone is the Element FM music director for both ninety five point seven in Ottawa and one hundred six point five here in Toronto. And with a name like that, folks, you don't want to mess with him. What is that supposed to mean? Luca Capone, man. Come on. It's a name. It's a name. You don't want to mess with a guy with the name of Luca Capone. Now, Luca is going to be on the show because he knows all things musical, and that is why he has joined me today, his musical knowledge, and we are going to be talking about the inductees for the 2020 Billboard Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, Luca, welcome to the show. Thanks to, er, thanks to be here. I'm grateful to be here. <laughs> And I just wanted to say that I love you guys. So let's get into it. Uh, you see, folks, he's really a gentle sor- sort of soul. I'm a gentle sorcerer. Gentle sorcerer. Yeah, oh, that'd very be a nice. decent band name. It would be. It'd be kind of like Gentle Giant, but with like a <laughs> wizard-like kind of zip. We could write lyrics about wizards well, and gentle now, people. Now there you go. See, folks, he just threw a name out that I'm, I'm, I'm sure many people do not know the name of. Gentle Giant, a band. Uh, that was uh, from Britain many years ago. They are not nominated, <laughs> no, and I do nominated. not expect them to be nominated <laughs> any time. Right. That's right. Um, and as I said, we're going to be uh, talking about the 2020 uh, Billboard Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. However, uh, Mr. Capone, if I may call you Mr. Capone. Uh, yep. You can call me Luca. I'll call you, you Luca. You can call me Al. <laughs> okay. You, don't call me Al, please. <laughs> Referencing another uh, artist. But look, uh, let's talk a little bit before we get into the nominees about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, shall we? Absolutely. So uh, what do you? What can you tell us about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, it's in the, uh, let's, let's call it the Paris of the Midwest, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people out there maybe kind of get a little angry when um, they, when they're referencing the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They think it's just rock and roll. It should only be hard rock, classic mm. rock. It's, you know, it's all music, really, for the most part. It may be all music that's kind of had an interaction with radio, with just that's kind of achieved some type of popularity and some type of I'm sure, but though they, devotion they, over time. I'm sure they initially named it rock and roll because of rock and roll. Well, absolutely, but it has grown and become... Mm. S- like something far more wondrous over time. Uh, started in 1983 mm. uh, at the height of uh, Cleveland Browns mania. Shoutouts to, was? No, Brian Seip wasn't the quarterback for the Browns back then, but he has nothing to do with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, they've been, you know, bringing in uh, nominees over the years, bringing in, you know, the classics of uh, every, like so many different generations. Mm. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's just a place where people can go in. Music nerds like you and myself can go in and just really kind of check out a place, check out the history of, uh, you know, the, the musicians who had a profound effect on our on our childhood, on our mm. on ourselves growing up. It's a pretty special, uh, pretty special temple of music. And you were there. You said you went to visit it. Yeah, I was actually there for a Browns game. I'm not a Browns fan by any means. <laughs> I just had to point that out. The Cowboys game, my father and my brother are Cowboys fans. I'm just a football fan. We went to the Browns-Cowboys game. Cowboys won. I won my fantasy football pool that week. And then we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it was really, really fun. Yeah? Yeah. What can you tell us about the physical space itself? Uh, from the outside, it is it is a gorgeous building. Like mm. Architecturally, it's like incredible. It is right on the lake, which mm. is really nice. Uh, not so nice when it's freezing outside. Uh, but inside, it's uh, pretty fascinating. Um, you know, there's there's just different eras that are kind of focused on uh, different eras of music, different genres of music, you know, specific artists, a la the Beatles, a la, you know, Michael Jackson are just kind of, you know, given their own kind of space, their own kind of uh, realm for people, for, for disciples to go in and just kind of bow down. I, I guess they have some memorabilia. Uh, oh, tons, or tons. Yeah. Jackets, LPs, yeah. Yeah. all sorts of stuff, crazy things, drum sets, yeah. amps and stuff. They they have a lot of stuff that's just kind of devoted to like old school radio. Mm. 
yeah, cool. And then, you know, areas that are kind of devoted to artists who are like were more politically active, had that kind of message to deliver. You know, it's pretty fascinating. Sure, there's, there's so much. You go in there and... I, Coming out, you're like, oh, but they could have done this. What about something for this artist over here? You know, they need a, an entire building just for Rush. Uh, there's a lot of things that can be done. But it's, um, again, for, you know, the music the music geeks out there, music lovers, mm. it's a pretty cool spot. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty huge undertaking that it's continually growing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's never ending. And, yeah. you know, it's going to continue this year. Now, of course, you know, before we get into the nominees again and, and talk about that stuff categories, um, one of their lists that they brought out recently resurfaced, as you probably know, about the, about the, the singers, the greatest singers of all time. Oh, yeah. I saw the, well, I saw the Rolling Stone list. Oh, sorry. Yes, I got confused. Yeah, right. the yes, Rolling Stone was, list. the Rolling Stone list. Pardon me. And, and you know, Aretha number one, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, is she the greatest singer of all time? In my opinion, like she's not like it's it's so tough to say these things are so like right. how do you so how do you, you know how it's exactly personal. it is so personal how do you qualify this like it's yes. not like she has like singing stats or you know she hit this many decibels or this mm-hmm. or that like for me when I for me personally my favorite singers of all time who just you know it's a personal feeling it's the feeling where it's like wow no they are like powerful, incredible singers that'll just wrench your heart in so many different ways. You know, I think of people like Billie Holiday or mm-hmm. Sarah Vaughn mm-hmm. who just have these voices that are like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, but I think Aretha Franklin is in that ballpark for sure. Uh, you know, for any folks out there who haven't checked out the Amazing Grace documentary, have you seen it? Amazing Grace? No. Oh my goodness. Like crazy, okay. crazy uh, Aretha Franklin doc that came out this year that'll blow your mind. You will just want to, okay, I'm going to, Leave what I'm doing in life. I'm going to join a gospel band or some type of like <laughs> very like crazy kind of folk band and just travel across the country playing in different uh, church halls and venues and stuff like that and embrace all sorts of soul music. Great. Thanks, Lucas. So there you go, folks. You can look that one up uh, if anybody wants to check that out. Uh, you just get, just given us our first piece of new information that we can go and look at and be educated on. So we appreciate that. Uh, Luca, uh what are the what are the what are the categories and what what is the criteria for these for these nominations? Right. So there are a few different categories for so to be eligible, um, artists whether it's a group, uh, composers, musicians, um, they become eligible for induction twenty five years after the release of their first commercial recording. So when was Monkey Dog released? <laughs> uh, Two thousand and three. So you have to wait a little bit. I have to wait a yeah. little bit. Um, so besides demonstrating unquestionable musical excellence and talent, inductees will have had a significant impact on the development, evolution, and preservation of rock and roll. Now, again, let's throw rock and roll, that word, out of the picture and just put popular music. Just let's slot that in. Uh, there's also the categories. So for performers, there's also... The, and that's kind of the big deal. There's the, uh, mm. what is it, 15 that are nominated, 16 that are nominated for this year. So mm-hmm. those are the performers there. Uh, there's the Amit Erdogan, famous uh, musical like legend to say, you know, just the, 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 the wizard, the maestro behind so many different bands and artists right. and, you know, the, what the is it, Atlantic, maybe. right? Hmm? The, the brains behind it, the yeah. Atlantic right. label. Right. Um, so that award honors songwriters, producers, disc jockeys, record executives, all sorts of music biz hubbubs mm-hmm. uh, who have had a major influence on rock and roll. Uh, there is the early influences. So these are artists that predate the birth of rock and roll, but have had a profound impact on music's evolution and its iconic artists. So, you know, let's get, you know, talking like early country, early blues, mm. uh, you know, Folk music across the states, going into uh, you know Europe, what have you, just like music from the south, like all sorts of mm-hmm. stuff there. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Award for Musical Excellence. Uh, this award honors performers, songwriters, and producers who have changed the course of music history. There's the singles, and these are just kind of more like old school kind of jams from the the 40s, 50s. Uh, that again. These songs, because kind of predate rock and roll, they kind of, these are the songs that have had that influence right. on what we call rock today. So, you know, a good a good example, 2018, Link Ray's Rumble. Right. Which and is that was song. new in 2018, that category. 
That was new. That was yeah. so 2018 was the yeah. first year that that uh, that came through. So they do include a little interesting kind of thing. So rock and roll is not an instrument. Rock and roll is not even a style of music. This is from the mm-hmm. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website. Rock and roll is a spirit. So yeah, again, you know, I, we're I think, a spirit here at Element FM. That's a good point. I think you know, <laughs> sure, they're trying to milk it up because it has been changing for so long. They want to include so many as many musicians, as many popular musicians into that fold as possible. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, there's a, a lot of things going down, but I think the, the biggest, uh, the biggest one that we're looking at are the 16 nominees. That's, yeah. that's the, uh, grand poobah of what holds everyone's attention each year. Yeah. It, it, now, you know, the first thing you mentioned there, of course, was that it's 25 years before someone can be nominated after the release of their first uh, commercial single. This is right. That's, that's an entire generation. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy you know when right? you think about it yeah it's not like the hockey hall of fame right it's uh it's pretty crazy yeah so in many cases much like the list uh that that is being nominated this year a lot of those artists uh their music is uh seldom heard these days because it's you know if not 25 years more you know more than that old in, in many cases but right? it, again it depends on the artist of know? course if we look at artists like winnie houston yeah. her music is right. timeless of course. on the radio yep. on you know Playlist, like, you know, she had the song of the summer and Mm -hmm. a remix of uh, her version of Higher Love. And and of course, and she's very prolific in terms of of, of the songs that she's had out. But there are other artists that have had limited commercial success or at the time, uh, even even you might say, uh, you know, one or two songs out like Kraftwerk. Very little commercial success, yeah. but when you think along the lines of their importance to kraut right. rock, yep. electronic music, yep. um, you know, minimalist dance music, yep. uh, and then in turn pop music itself, Kraftwerk are giants yep. in that regard. Absolutely, just musical legends. Yes, to like a, an intense degree, and you know, digging into Kraftwerk just as a music fan, it'll lead you into the beginnings of kraut rock into mm-hmm. bands like Khan and Popol Vuh and Tangerine Dream yep. who are huge as well. Yep. Um, uh, Noi. Um, so yeah, they're a huge thing. The MC5, mm. you know, mm. MC5, you know, Kick Out the Jams is probably the biggest song. You know, it's not a re- ready-made, just a classic radio jam for, by any means, but you look at, for me, I think, you know, when I think MC5, uh, they had the two kind of classic albums but then their live album kick out the jams was just magic you mm. want to talk about proto-punk you want to talk about uh like pure good heavy hard rock uh, there's you know psychedelic rock influences there like any proper punk band any proper heavy rock band uh bands who dive into more prog di- bands who dive into more psychedelic rock mm. noise rock you know um it begins, you know, MC5 yeah. are yeah. huge in right. that regard. Right, right. Now, Todd Rundgren, uh, you know. Another, Hello, it's me. But, Hello, but, it's me. But he had a huge Maybe influence. he's fallen off. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was grateful. I, I was so lucky to see him with um, playing with Ringo Starr's band a couple years mm. back. Mm. And that was pretty dope. But, you know, I think Todd Rundgren, this guy, not, not only just, okay, musical genius. Yeah. He's had his albums that are, you know, like studio masterpieces. Yeah. In the realm of you know psychedelic pop, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would say maybe a little more like prog pop as mm. opposed to prog rock. Mm. But even just as like a producer, he's worked with Badfinger, Grand Funk Railroad, New York Dolls. That's you know for yeah. glam rock, punk yep. rock. That's huge. Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell, XTC's um, Skylarking. Mm. Yeah, Todd Rundgren. Todd Rundgren is a huge, huge deal. Yep, he is. Uh, but it's interesting because, as you say, and I'm glad you're mentioning all this because. He, he basically, yeah, Hello, It's Me is, is kind of like the one song that uh, he, he had out as a hit. Yeah. Great song, but uh, still, uh, as you say, he went on to do other things and was an influence in other ways. And also, in terms of CanCon, he worked on the second album by The Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, really? a big 90s uh, yeah. Canadian rock wow. group. See? I'm not a big Pursuit of Happiness fan, but... But it's interesting to know. It's important to know. And you would find that information in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame if he was nominated. So that's a little sliver of loveliness and education for you. There you go, folks. So you can go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and find out this stuff. But, um, you know, for people, not a lot of people are going to go and do that. People's time is short, and that's part of why we're doing this today, to to introduce them. So some of the other people on the list include Depeche Mode, 
Soundgarden? Classic. Yeah. You know, uh, Depeche Mode in terms of, you know, their influence on electronica, yep. synth pop, uh, industrial music, metal yeah. music. Yeah, but yeah. on the flip side, they've also had big singles, Personal Jesus yeah. and Joy oh, yeah. Silence, just that sure. album, especially, what is it, uh, Violator, huge, huge right. release. Um, and then you mentioned uh, Depeche Mode and- Soundgarden. Soundgarden, yeah. you know, <laughs> classic, classic grunt, grunt rock, music that def- literally defined- an era to find a mm. generation to mm. find a you know fashion style. Yeah, and Chris Cornell, of course, went on to do uh, one of the yeah. one of the theme songs for for uh, uh, Bond. Right? Yeah. yeah, he was an audio slave who yeah. were incredible after you know rest in peace, uh, Chris Cornell. Rest in yeah, peace. Yeah, T Rex is in there. Thin Lizzy. Yeah. So okay. So I'm curious. So uh, there's the folks are actually allowed to vote this year. You can yeah, actually go online right. and vote. And as of um, right now. Uh, I think I found a list as of a couple of days ago. Okay. Uh, actually, no, it's pretty recent to be perfectly honest. But I'd out of this list, I'd like you to guess who are the top five <laughs> vote getters right now. Oh come out on! Of this list. I'm supposed to be asking you the questions. Hey baby, buddy. sometimes you got to switch it around, Jack. <laughs> well, listen. Before we do that, let me just interject here and say you are listening to Element FM and Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. And the person you are listening to with me here on the show is Luca Capone. He is our music director here at Element FM for both Ottawa and Toronto. And he's asked me a question, and it's not fair. It isn't fair. I'm the host. How is it not fair? I'm supposed to ask the questions. And you want to know my top five? No, no. What you're guessing has which artists? Yeah. This list of 16 has the top, are, are in the top five, or the top five vote getters right now. Now, I have to put my personal choices aside here. No, no. Personal because, choices are aside. Because that, that won't... That I think won't our work. personal choices will be <laughs> yeah. would probably be pretty similar out of this yeah. list of who we'd love to see get in there. Yeah. But personal uh, okay. votes aside, this is what you got to pick. I will say uh, Whitney Houston, the Doobie Brothers, uh, Notorious B.I.G. Uh, let's see here. Who else? Pat Benatar? What's that for? That is four. Motorhead. So you got two out of the five correct. <laughs> okay. okay. So I'm going to go from five to number one. So okay. Judas Priest. Oh, oh right. Depeche Mode. Soundgarden. Mm. The Doobies. Yep. Who are not related. Right. Andrew St. Germain. And with number one, Pat Benatar. Yeah. And I was actually kind of shocked. I would have I would have gone with Whitney Houston. I would have gone yeah. with uh, Biggie as well. Because yeah. they are, you know- Transcendent yeah. hmm. in their way. Wow, interesting. Which is pretty fascinating. But we can go online right now yeah. and just put as many votes for the MC5 as possible. Mm. Maybe not. <laughs> I, I don't know how the internet works. But uh, yeah, you can you can go on. Uh, apparently, um, so it, 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 everything's going to be. Um, no, when, the when ceremonies when is this, May second. When, when is this all happening? By the way, ceremonies May second. Okay, May. 2nd. But you can vote now. Right. Yeah, it, it began after Tuesday. It began or fan voting began after Tuesday's nominees uh, were announced. So May second of twenty twenty is when the announcement will be made. Now, uh, as as you just pointed out, people can go online and vote, uh, cast their votes for who they think should be on the list. Uh, now, the names I gave you were just uh, looking at the list and saying who do I think that the most popular would be at this point in time. Uh, do we know how much of an influence the the uh, the, the the public has in the, in the voting p- process? See, I I was kind of like researching to see if the, it would just be purely based on um, just fan votes. Mm. So I think the top five choices, um, yeah, the top five choices will be comprised of a fan's ballot that will be counted with the other ballots sent to approximately like a thousand. Music industry folks, musicians, researchers, members of, you know, big wigs, like right. I said before. So it's going to be a combination of the fans vote and then all these industry people as well. Mm. Now, uh, now, Luca, let me ask you this question. All right. It's not looking at it from a popularity perspective, but the question is, if you look at this list, going down the list, here's the list. Pat Benatar, Dave Matthews Band, Depeche Mode, The Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Judas Priest, Kraftwerk, MC5, Motorhead, Nine Inch Nails, Notorious B.I.G., Rufus featuring Kaka Khan, uh, Todd Rundgren, Soundgarden, T-Rex, and Thin Lizzy. Now, out of those list of, uh, of artists and, and groups that are listed, based on their influence, based on 
what they have done in terms of adding uh, f- to to the to what the criteria is looking for, would you say is the top five? So Luca's top five yeah. in this in within this realm. Yeah. First of all, I think you know I think Chaka Khan should just be by herself. She should just be nominated <laughs> by herself. Never mind Rufus. <laughs> yeah, right. Chaka Khan made Rufus. Right. She is a, a force to be reckoned with. However, she wouldn't be in Luca's top five list. Mm. And okay. this is in no order. Yep. But I would probably go uh, Depeche Mode, Whitney Houston, uh, MC5, Craftwork, uh, and Biggie. All right, we're going to five? we're gonna we're gonna hold you to that. I think so. So when the when the the actual list uh, and and the nominees are announced, we're gonna come back and compare that list to see how you did. If there's one artist here that I think should have no like, ugh, but they do have a massive following, not like crazy, crazy, crazy commercial recognition, but like a yes. disgustingly huge following. Yes. Um, but they probably should. But I dislike them so much. Dave Matthews Band. Oh, yeah? Shout outs to my brother, Jeremy, <laughs> and my cousin, John Antonio, who are mm. big Dave Matthews bands. Mm. Sorry, guys. I think they are the worst. Really? Uh, but, you know, when it comes to the kind of 90s jam band, you know, mm. uh, renaissance mm. with, you know, groups like Fish, mm. um, they're a huge part of that. They are a huge part of American 90s music. And, you mm. know, that kind of world of you know, taking a three or four minute song and just turning it into this kind of 15 minute jam and just having this legion of neo hippies just foaming at the mouth. Dave mm. Matthews, the Dave Matthews band was a big part of that. Mm. Okay. I, I'm not so fond of it. <laughs> yeah. You, you made that clear. Yeah. I'm pretty, <laughs> it's pretty rough. But, um, okay. So over time, there's been questions about, you know, just like you were, just like you were saying, just there, questions about the nominees and some of the some of the people that have got in uh, over top of some other artists that have already, you know, ha- did not get nominated or came in later. Do you think that 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 has simply been an age uh, 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 not being allowed to be nominated prior to because of the, you know, as we said, it has to be twenty five years before the first your first commercial song has been out before you can be nominated. Do you think that ha- has been part of the reason for that? Or? Maybe, uh, you know, sometimes it just depends on which artists are kind of somewhat old, very old, uh, are they just kind of really currying the public's favor, just really kind of huge at that time. I think, you know, people like Whitney Houston, Notorious B.I.G., um, I think for just music fans in general, they'll always be timeless amongst kind of that kind of top 40 kind of feel, whereas folks like Todd Rundgren or Rufus featuring Chaka Khan or Thin Lizzy, they might be kind of fading out. Like um, last week, uh, we were interviewing uh, Shawnee on uh, the Barbershop podcast, and I think you'll find this interesting. Um, No one knew who Bad Company was. Oh, Mm. wow. That's interesting. And that's kind of crazy, right? (laughs) Like if this was, you know, the 70s, they were a big deal, right? Uh, like for me, I never really grew up with Bad Company as like a band that my pop was like, "Hey, you got to check out Bad Company." Mm. But you just kind of, you know, I guess as a music fan, you know, listen to radio, um, they just kind of come into your mind. Mm. And I don't know. I guess they didn't have that kind of same effect on other folks. Maybe they, they just don't have that lasting appeal. Right. I'm pretty sure they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'd be shocked if they weren't. Mm. Right. Yeah. All right, let's end with that. Luca, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this information and educating us on so many things. Thank you, fellas, for letting me be on and letting me nerd out with you guys. All right, that's Luca Capone. He is our Element FM music director here at Element FM in Ottawa and Toronto. It's been a pleasure having him on the show. Don't go away. We will be right back. Hey, well, welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Ottawa and Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa and 106.5 in Toronto. You can also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app anywhere across the country. Just uh, type in elmntfm.ca. Pick your station, either Toronto or Ottawa, and uh, just follow the directions and you could be listening right across the country. I'd like to welcome a very special guest to our show, Mr. Theo Fleury. Now, you might know him as an NHL Stanley Cup champion or Olympic gold medalist, uh, World Cup junior champion, but he's also an expert in the field of relational trauma. 
Now, Mr. Fleury, uh, as we say, might best be known for his time on the ice, but off the ice, he, uh, he once carried the markings of a troubled childhood, abuse, and coping with emotional pain through addictive and self-destructive behaviors. Mr. Fleury, it's a uh, pleasure to have you on the show with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, uh, it was, um, if you don't mind taking us back a little bit, uh, telling us uh, when, you first, uh, when you first came forward with this story about yourself, um, I know, I remember it was quite big in the news when you decided to uh, share uh, these personal stories about yourself. <clears throat> yeah, that was, uh, let's see, October, I believe, 9th of 2009. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I was, you know, at the point in my life where I wanted to, you know, tell the truth and talk about what really happened and uh and uh you know what happened from that is uh you know we basically haven't stopped since 2009 and uh you know we travel exclusively all throughout north america talking about trauma mental health and addiction and how they're all connected and uh and you know sort of weave in my own uh, you know, personal healing story of how I was able to go from, you know, having a gun in my mouth to, uh, you know, having this amazing life. And so, and, and, you know, what, I, what happened after I told my story was, you know, I, I, I pretty much got run over by people, you know, on the book tour that were, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 people were coming up at every book signing and, you know, telling me that, uh, you know, reading, playing with fire allowed them to, uh, you know, also talk about what happened to them as well. Yeah. That, that your first book, uh, playing with fire that you just spoke about there, that's your, that's a, a paperback and, uh, takes us behind the bench during your, your glorious days at the NHL and, uh, and talks about the, the, the poor and, and chaos, uh, situation you had at home, your dark personal issues, uh, drugs, drinking, gambling, and uh and other things that were going on can you can you can you just give us a brief outline for people that don't know that story uh, just flesh that out a little bit more for us well i experienced a lot of trauma as a child uh also as an adolescent and uh you know and then i i used um you know alcohols and drugs to uh you know cope with the uh you know with that emotional pain that was left behind from those experiences right and uh, you also have uh, uh part of your your heritage is is indigenous you're from the Shishka mm-hmm. nation uh, where you're an honorary chief i understand yes we are yeah <laughs> it's a great great community and uh you know i've done a lot of my healing in the you know, in the Blackfoot and the Blood tribes uh, close to Calgary here, and uh, you know, I do I do participate in a lot of ceremony, and uh, you know, so it's been uh, very helpful, you know, in my healing process, and and then I've traveled to probably 420 First Nations communities all over Canada, you know, talking about you know trauma, mental health, and addiction, and how you know it affects us, and uh, you know, and so it's been, it's been pretty amazing. When you reflect back on your time in the NHL and uh, all those great days that you had, you know, uh, uh, playing uh, as an Olympic gold medalist for Canada and, and there's other, the other things that you accomplished and you were dealing with, with some of these things at the same time, uh, when you reflect back, what, what, what stands out at you? Well, I think the whole experience was, you know, pretty amazing. Uh, you know, I I played hockey from the time I was five years old till I was, you know, almost forty. So, um, and it was, <clears throat> you know, I I discovered early on in 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 life that uh, you know I I saw something that I was good at and. Uh, you know, I dedicated myself and I worked hard and, uh, you know, and then ultimately, you know, achieved my goal of playing in the NHL. And, uh, and then, you know, once I got to the NHL, you know, 
there were some amazing things that happened in my career. You know, won a Stanley Cup and Olympic gold medal and Canada Cup and played in a couple world championships, a couple world cups of hockey. And so, you know, um, you know, my hockey career um, was pretty incredible and pretty amazing and uh, had lots of amazing opportunities to win and, uh, and be a part of some really great teams. And, uh, you know, I got to play with the greatest players in the game. And, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was a pretty amazing experience. And, uh, you know, everything that uh, I thought it would be, uh, you know, it was way more than that. And, you know, that's, of course, something that very few people get to do is, is accomplish uh, the things at the level to which you did and represent your country, uh, represent different teams uh, at such a high level and represent yourself at such a high level. And you mentioned that you had to, of course, be dedicated and push yourself. Uh, it must have been, uh, there was, of course, a lot of difficulty, I'm sure, in, in uh, trying to stay at that level uh, of peak performance. Yeah, there's no question, but, you know, I had uh, tremendous amounts of, you know, God-given ability and talent, and so, um, you know, I was able to, you know, find what I was good at, and then, you know, just a little, little hard work here and there, a little dedication and, uh, and all that stuff, so it was, uh, and, you know, obviously it was an escape as well from you know, what was going on for me at home as a kid and then, you know, struggling through, you know, my sexual abuse, you know, the rink was, you know, always that place where I, I felt happy and, uh, you know, accomplished and, uh, you know, everything that I maybe was lacking away from the rink, uh, you know, when I stepped into an arena, you know, sort of all that stuff went away and, uh, you know, I could, I could be creative and, uh, and, uh, you know, have fun. Right. I guess you were very fortunate to be able to have found that and, and have uh, locked into it and, and uh, got, you know, come out the other end uh, healthy and, and also to be able to now move forward and share and help people uh, as you do now. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I really believe that that's the, the secret sauce to healing is, uh, you know, the more people I've helped, along the way here, the more I've healed myself. And so, you know, it's been, like I said, it, I would have never thought that, uh, you know, this, this would have been my post career, but, uh, you know, I feel very blessed and fortunate that it is. And, uh, and like I said, you know, I, I can help my communities and, uh, you know, my brothers and sisters that struggle you know, almost on a daily basis and, you know, maybe try to give them a different perspective on, you know, their abuse and, and how you can turn something um, negative, uh, you know, into a positive experience. You just said something that I thought was very interesting there about this journey that you're on and this new career that you've found that it is helping others. Uh, but you, you also ha- said that it is a way that has helped you heal yourself further which I think is really interesting because we are on a, on a continuous journey as we go through life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, basically what, uh, the elders and the spiritual teachers and the medicine men, uh, you know, and all these communities that I've been to, that's what they've, you know, shared with me is that, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. There's a point, there's always been, you know, there's a plan for our lives and, and, uh, you know, some of the uncomfortable experiences that I had were, you know, a part of me getting to this place today where, you know, I have the shared experience of, you know, the majority of Aboriginal people. And, uh, and, and because of that, uh, um, you know, I can be that voice and, uh, you know, maybe shine a light on some, some darkness, uh, you know, that people have in their lives. You know, uh, it's interesting. Um, sorry, I've just lost my my thought there. That that was I was going to say. So we'll move on, and we'll we'll talk more about that. The first book that you came out with, this playing with fire, that was your first book. But you've also come out with a second book now, Conversations with a Rattlesnake. That's an interesting title, right there. 
Yeah. Um, well, you know, when, when you look at a rattlesnake, it's not an animal that's combative. You know, it doesn't look for trouble. Mm. But what it really does is, you know, on a yearly basis, it sheds its skin and transforms itself and reinvents itself. Mm. And I think in the process of healing, you know, that's what we need to do. We need to shed layers of skin and, uh, and uh, you know, peel the layers of the onion off, so to speak, and, <clears throat> you know, and, <clears throat> and unpack our trauma histories and, and uh, you know, and, and then deal with that, you know, that emotional pain that's left behind from, you know, from our traumatic experiences. So, you know, the, the rattlesnake to, to us was, uh, you know, sort of the yin and the yang. It, it can be perceived as evil or it can be perceived as, you know, a transformational animal. Mm. And so how, how does that title and what you've just described uh, roll into the book? What, what do you try to, uh, to uh, show people with the new book? Well, you know, along my speaking travels, I ran into a lady, uh, um, Kim Barthel, who is a neuroscientist, and uh, and we both spoke at the same conference in Winnipeg, and, uh, you know, I was able to hear her listen to her speak and, and was, you know, sort of blown away at, uh, the, you know, the information, and, uh, you know, never really thought of my brain being damaged from, you know, my childhood experiences, but, you know, they were, and then, you know, we got together and, you know, she basically said, you know, I can help you rewire your brain and I can rewire all of your traumatic experiences. And, and so, you know, that's basically what the book is about is, is, uh, you know, rewiring you know, my brain through conversation and relationship. That's very fascinating to hear you say that. And, and I think that, uh, does she also, uh, does she accompany you on some of these presentations that you make and, and sort of help you with the, the uh, sort of describe or, or uh, explain some of the things that you're talking about so other people get a sense of it from her, her uh, professional view? Yes, absolutely. We do some uh, healing conferences uh, together and, uh, yeah, so, um, <clears throat> but she's, she travels exclusively all over the world and teaches, you know, um, you know, about trauma and how to, hmm. how to, uh, you know, but she's also, you know, an a- expert in the autistic brain as well and, and, uh, so she's she's also an OT uh, occupational therapist, along with being a you know a neuro um, working in the field of neuroscience as well. So she's an amazing lady, and you know probably one of the smartest people that I've been around in my life. And uh, and she has helped me tremendously, you know, uh, rewire you know my brain. Mm. Uh, we'll maybe get back to that and talk a little bit more more about it, but I just want to interject and let people know that they're listening to Element FM, and this is a moment of truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My uh, very special guest is Mr. Theo Fleury. Uh, you may know him more from uh, playing in the, Stanley, uh, in the Stanley Cup and as an NHL player, and it's a pleasure to have him on the show. Uh, uh, Theo, one of the things uh, you're also involved with is, uh, is this Me Too experience mm-hmm. can you explain that a little more well uh you know i basically you know was one of the first guys to talk about you know the me too movement so you know at my very first book signing um in toronto uh i spotted this guy in line who had my clutched against his chest and his face was buried in the floor and you know he was walking kind of slow and I was like hmm you know it seemed to me uh that he was trying to tell me something and so I followed him all the way in the line and there was I think there was 400 people at the first book signing and uh you know I followed him through the line 
and he got to the front of the line. He put the book on the table and looked me in the eye and, and said, me too. Hmm. And, you know, it was a, such a profound uh, moment because um, not only did he uh, find that courage and strength to get to that book signing to say me too for himself, you know, I, I really needed to hear it mm. because, you know, I took a leap of faith and I told my story. I had no idea how it was all going to play out. And, you know, that guy showed up at, at the book signing to deliver you know, this spiritual message of two simple words. And, you know, I think from that moment on, I knew exactly what the rest of my life was going to look like. And that was to help as many people who've had the same experience, uh, um, you know, get some clarity and um, encourage them to, you know, move into a place of healing and, uh, and all that. So, you know, and like I said, I, I haven't stopped since that first meet me too. And I would probably say, uh, in the, in the 10 years I've been doing this, I've probably had 700,000 people either directly or indirectly, you know, say those two words to me. So, you know, it's been, like I said, it's been incredible and it's been amazing. That is very powerful when you, uh, when you share that story and you say those two words, as you say, uh, it's a very powerful message. And, and when I, I'm sure you, uh, in, in reflection, uh, obviously you, you captured on that right away and, uh, and, and it helped propel you forward. Now, you just mentioned something about the other people, uh, some 700,000 or so people that you say have come up and, and shared that, that they are part of this as well. How do, when you hear that, what, what, do, what do you think? What does that say to you about our society? Well, it's, you know, it's the reason why trauma, mental health, and addiction is the biggest epidemic on the planet. Mm. And, you know, we have tons and tons of awareness around the subject. But on the other side of the coin, we have the highest suicide rate in the history of our planet. So, you know, I would say we have not created a safe space in society yet where we can talk about our trauma <clears throat> because mental health and addiction is only a symptom of trauma. Mm. And it isn't until we talk about the trauma that the mental illness and the addictions start to subside mm. because the mental health is the emotional pain and the addictions is how we cope and mask the emotional pain or the mental illness that we are experiencing. And so you know, what I've discovered is that, you know, there are way better ways of coping with emotional pain uh, than using drugs or alcohol or food or sex or gambling or whatever it is you choose to cope with. You know, what I always try to um, get across is that, you know, there, there are, you know, all of these tools that have been left behind by the grandmothers, the grandfathers, and the creator. They were left behind because they knew that we were going to need these tools in order to heal. And so, you know, the smudge, the sweat lodge, powwow, drum, singing, dancing, sun dance, you know, all of these tools were left behind by the grandmothers, grandfathers, and the creator for us to use to heal. And I don't see enough of that uh, process happening in the Aboriginal communities. And for me, that was the biggest aha moment is when I picked up those tools and started to use those tools in my, you know, healing journey. Well, thank you for saying that. That takes me back to the question that I wanted to ask you earlier. Uh, you just mentioned these cultural tools, and that's what I was wondering about. You just said when you picked them up, and, and I was wondering about how how they played a role, if at all, while you were at the peak of your your uh, you know your hockey career and and doing all those things. Was that important to you at the time? Were you were you at all utilizing any of that that cultural knowledge or or tools at, at that point? No, I didn't even know they existed oh. at that point. 
you know? So I was still in full survival mode. So, you know, I was only thinking about, you know, basically day-to-day survival. And, you know, it wasn't until I got sober that, you know, and I started speaking on all these, uh, uh, speaking at all these different communities, you know, that I started to discover all of these tools that people were using, you know, as, as a method of, of healing. Mm. Now, Theo, you, you've also been awarded a few, uh, a few things such as the Canadian humanitarian award and the Queens Jubilee medallion. Uh, you've, you've also received uh, a recipient of the uh, Aboriginal Inspire award. Um, when you, when you look back at uh, your career and moved on to now helping others and you've received these kind of things, how do you, how do you feel about receiving those awards? Well, I think anytime you're recognized for the work that you do is, uh, you know, an honor, but, uh, you know, I don't do this, (laughs) you know, to get awards. I do this to you know, to try and help people, uh, you know, save their own lives. And, you know, we talk a lot about courage and empathy and forgiveness and, you know, things that are really important. And, uh, um, you know, I just try to be a different voice for people Mm. uh, that gives them hope, right? And when you have hope, you know, amazing things can happen. And uh, you just uh, mentioned that you go out and do these things, and you have a number of different events that come up, and I'm sure people can, uh, if they're interested in finding you and having you come into their either community or an event or, or trying to, uh, to book you for something, they can go to your, uh, to your website, which I believe is uh, theoflurry.life. It is. Yes, it is. And, uh, yeah, we are, we are pretty much somewhere different every week. Uh, we were in Thunder Bay this week. I spoke at uh, Confederation College to, um, they have a, well, it's a sort of an Aboriginal uh, college university and, you know, they have a well, uh, a mental wellness uh, week. And so I was there kicking it off. And so, yeah, it was, it was pretty incredible. And and just, as you mentioned, you were there. You've got some dates coming up. One is the in uh, Kinistin Soto Nation Youth Conference, and that's coming up on November seventeenth, Sunday, November seventeenth. You've got another one uh, in Onion Lake Family Services on uh, Thursday, November twenty first. So people, if they're close to those areas, they could uh, perhaps, if they're not sold out already, uh, look you up and see about attending. And uh, as we said, if you uh, if people want to to book you, they can go to your uh, to your website. Is that right, Theoflurry.life, yes. and they can uh, reach out to you through there. Yes, absolutely. They can talk to uh, Don Roberts, who is my business manager, and uh, she'll she'll hook it all up. Now, Theo, through the time that you've been doing this, and you've mentioned how you're on this this healing journey, is there something that stood out to you? Uh, personally, from the people you've met, from the people you've been talking to, I mean, aside from this Me Too comment that that really uh, uh, spearheaded things for you and, and uh, took you, uh, and what a powerful story that was. I have to, I have to say, what a powerful story. Uh, so I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, what else jumps out at you from, in general, what, what, what are you hearing from people? Uh, that help is hard to find because the, you know, the uh, mental health system in Canada is basically run over. You know, there's not mm-hmm. enough people, there's not enough social workers, not enough psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, you name it. And so, um, so what I try to tell people is that, you know, there are lots of really other cool holistic practices that you can use uh, to help uh you know, relieve some of that pain and suffering, but it can also, there's lots of really cool stuff that can, you know, help you rewire your brain. You know, there's a lot of uh, research out now that uh, says that meditation is an amazing tool um, to help rewire the the brain, you know, and there's, you know, we live in the world of technology and stuff. There's lots of great apps that, can help you alleviate some of your anxiety and depression and all that. And, 
you know, sleeping well, eating well, exercising is going to improve, you know, your mental health, uh, you know, so there's lots of stuff out there. Yoga is a great, uh, tool to use. So, you know, there's lots of other things out there, um, that can help alleviate a lot of, you know, your symptoms. Now, when you say you, you hear from people that say help is hard to find, um, certainly uh, just going uh, some self-help books, uh, I guess that's another one. Your books themselves are great to read in terms of helping people uh, look uh, to see and something might jump out of them from those books that they can, they can grab onto. Um, very much yeah. like this person uh, came up to you and said, me too, and you just grabbed onto that and it, uh, it spoke to you. Uh, and there's lots of books out there that can do that uh, same thing, but people have to, I guess the, the bottom line is this is a very personal thing for everyone, isn't it? And, and, and what I mean by that is people have to, have to at some point uh, do something by themselves, for themselves in this regard. Yeah, <clears throat> and you know, that's the, that's the hardest thing for, or that's probably the most commonly asked question I get is, I have a son, a daughter, a niece, a nephew, granddaughter, grandson, who's going down the wrong path. What do I do? Mm. And the first question I say to them is, you know, do they want help? Mm. Because if they don't want help, there is nothing that you can do to help them. And the only thing you can do is take care of yourself. Very well said. Uh, Mr. Theo Fleury, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. I thank you very much for taking the time and joining us. And, uh, and I wish you all the best and continued uh, success with your future. And uh, once again, uh, thank you, Shimigwech uh, Nyawa, for coming on and, and speaking with us today on the show. My pleasure. Anytime. All right. And that is the voice of Mr. Theo Fleury. He's ex-NHL and Stanley Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, World Cup junior champion, and now an expert in the field of relational trauma. It's been a pleasure having him on the show today. And you can find out more if you go to his website, and that is at theoflurry.life. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening, and thanks to everyone that helps make this show a success. Be sure to listen next time right here on Element FM and Moment of Truth.